In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, joined by Ari Ross today on the podcast as my guest. Ari, currently Sports Information Director at Hiram College, play-by-play broadcaster as well, Northwestern alum as well, just like me. We were in the broadcasting game back together once upon a time, and he's also from my hometown. So wanted to bring Ari on today to talk Browns. We go back and forth on Twitter a lot. Ari's a huge fan of the team and he's pretty locked in right now. Ari, how are you doing on this Wednesday night? Well, the Browns are eating three, so I'm doing better than normal. So the Indians are doing their own thing, um, but the Browns are eight and three, so I'm <laughs> in a good mood this week. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's, uh, hey, when one team rises, the other seems to fall in Cleveland. But Look, this is something Browns fans are certainly not accustomed to, so we have to soak it all in. I've been trying to emphasize that on the podcast as much as possible the last couple of weeks. At the end of the day, the team is eight and three. You know, there are questions, there are concerns, of course, but hey, they are eight and three. Those are coming in wins, not losses. And that's actually where I kind of want to start before we get into the topic that I teased on Monday's show in, in the post-game show about some of the best Browns players since 1999. But first, Ari, I want to get your thoughts on this Browns team so far, and in particular, these last couple games. And I think a lot of the conversation around their win on Sunday against Jacksonville was like, okay, the Browns have won again. They're eight and three. They're on a nice little win streak here. But they beat a one and nine team by two points. It wasn't exactly inspiring football. So have these last couple games, have they worried you? Have they given more hope? Where are you at right now with this team? I think it's a little bit of both. I think defensively, it worries me. The Browns have, what, two guys who would start on any other football team on defense, and both of them did not play? I, mean, I don't well, think any of their that's linebackers. A, I think that's being a little harsh to our defensive line. I think that's being a, a little, little harsh. harsh. Maybe three if you include Richardson. But the, the Browns' defense is not good, and that might be an understatement. And we saw that how Mike Glennon, of all quarterbacks, carved them up on Sunday. And the only reason why that game wasn't going into overtime, because the Jags tanked that two-point conversion um, early on in that game. But offensively, I mean, I tend to be higher than most on Baker Mayfield. I think Baker Mayfield's look better. I mean, they have the best rushing attack in the NFL. Their offense is slowly but surely getting back to form. Landry looked really good. So I I think it's a little both, and I, I hate to be kind of on the fence, but I think it's a little both. The defense really worries me, and coming up with games against Tennessee and Baltimore, that's definitely worrisome. But on the same side, their offense is looking pretty good. That's interesting that you say the defense worries you, and I actually agree with that because I think offensively, it's pretty clear what the identity of this team is, right? It's Nick Chubb, it's Kareem Hunt first, it's play-action football off of that with Baker Mayfield. 
finding Jarvis Landry. At this point, with Odell out of the picture, he's going to be your number one guy. And so they at least know who they are on that side of the ball, which is a little bit more comforting. Whereas on the defensive side of the football, sometimes it feels like, hey, on this possession, we're waiting for Miles Garrett to make a play and bail us out a little bit. And that's kind of the defensive philosophy, it seems like, right now. And not necessarily by choice, but you know, with all the injuries and other concerns kind of going on with that side of the football, the COVID absences, you know, talky-talky not in the game this last week. A plethora of reasons for why that's going on. But let's turn to Baker, like you said. So I agree with you. I see this as progression from Baker Mayfield primarily. I think there has been some missed wide-open throws the last couple of weeks. And I posited on the podcast on Monday – I think what's so challenging to evaluate Baker Mayfield is I think right now he's kind of in like that upper middle tier of quarterbacks, but he's flashing signs of better than that. So as a Browns fan, sometimes it leaves you wanting because you're like, well, if he's going to make that, you know, that tight throw to Jarvis Landry that he made with his feet in the end zone, if he's going to make that touchdown throw that he made to Jarvis Landry, you know, elite ball placement type throws, if he's going to do that, the team you know, is on the path to, to Super Bowl contention here not too long. But if he's going to miss wide open people, then, then it's going to be hard for this team to, to reach their maximum potential. Is that how you see things? Yeah, I, I think that you get a little bit of the good, you get a little bit of the bad with Baker. And I think you got to see him develop. I really want to see him with a full year under with, with this offense, with Stefanski, with Van Pelt under his belt. I, I still think we didn't get a full offseason. We didn't get everything they needed to do to kind of get everything and get all the reps under their belt. I think his footwork has some issues at times. On that throw that everyone talked about, he was jumpy in the pocket and he kind of sailed it. But I, I think there's good and the bad. And I think, I mean, he's the best Brown. We were talking about this on Twitter. He's the best Browns quarterback probably since Bernie Kosar. I, I think pr- there'd be some other arguments out there. I'll just be honest. I didn't see those guys play. So for me, look, he's the best quarterback of my lifetime that I can remember. Right. So at at that point, you know, what's, what's the argument anymore? It's been long enough that we deserve somebody like Baker at this point. Yeah. And I think you brought up a great point there. And I've been trying to remind podcast listeners out there, my friends, other Browns fans about this is look, this is a first year coach. Didn't have an off season. Hasn't had a lot of time to practice in season, especially these last couple weeks with everything that's going on. And it still feels like there's been progress from Baker Mayfield. Hasn't thrown an interception in a long time. Seems to be making much smarter decisions with the football. Seems to be improving in at least some areas. And Kevin Stefanski seems to be at least feeling him out some. He's setting him up for success with the play action, with the bootlegs, things like that. They're still learning one another. And that's what gives me hope. I think... Really, the only thing that gives me pause at this point is Baker's, you know, pocket presence and inaccuracy out of the pocket. And so that's the one thing that, you know, he needs to improve on going forward. But and not only this season, I think if you look at, you know, kind of the, the coaches Baker Mayfield's had to deal with in his tenure, if anybody's going to kind of make that leap a little bit later in their career, I think it's him. Yeah, a lot of offensive coordinators, a lot of head coaches, I think, it takes some time to get everything under his belt, the new offense, the new system. I mean, it's a weird year. And I mean, even then, I mean, we're not talking about giving Baker Mayfield a six-year, $150 million deal yet. I don't think we need to worry about whether Baker Mayfield is best quarterback in the NFL or 10th and whether he can lead the Browns to the Super Bowl. At least give him another year. I think 
he, he, he's, he's shown enough where you can see the glimpses and hopefully he's able to deliver on that over the next couple games and maybe into next year. It's a little too early to talking about fifth year option, even anything down the road. I think you, you see it from him. You see glimpses. He's it. He's not at this point. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not going to go out and throw 300 yards and four touchdowns and single-handedly beat the Ravens or the Titans. But if he can keep them in the games next couple weeks, not make any mistakes and let Chubb and Hunt do the rest. I mean, I'll be satisfied. Yeah. And, and it's a topic for another podcast, but I don't think it's that it's not that early to be talking about that fifth year option only because we've seen only in a few select cases, those players kind of go into that fourth year as a lame duck, you know, Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston come to mind. And I think Browns fans might be a little bit uneasy if Baker Mayfield falls into that category in year four. I don't think he's going to, but as I said, a, a topic for another podcast. What I do want to talk about is something you just brought up. The real identity of this team is the running game. And that's really been the story of the last couple of weeks with Nick Chubb back off of IR is the two-headed monsters back. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, they're so dynamic, breaking tackles, runs, passes, extra yardage, all of that. And I tweeted this out on Sunday that I thought Nick Chubb, you know, potentially could be making his case as the best Browns player since 99, since the return of the team to Cleveland. And that was just off the top of my head. But Ari, I wanted to do a little bit more research before uh, I talked about that on the Monday show. I wanted to bring you on and hear your opinion. So uh, to start us off, I came up with a list of the players in Brown's history since 99 that have made multiple Pro Bowls and or multiple first team all pros. The list is not long. I'll give it to you right now. Joe Thomas, Josh Cribbs, Alex Mack, Joe Hayden, Jarvis Landry, Joel Batonio, and Miles Garrett. That's it. That's it. Now, I think Nick Chubb is certainly, it's early in his process, so certainly have to keep that in mind. You know, I'm kind of projecting a little bit here, but any other names that I left off that you came up with, or is that kind of the group you are considering as you thought about this question? That was mostly the guys I, I ran through. Dequell Jackson is another guy that comes to mind. <laughs> I don't think he made a Pro Bowl, or yeah. if he did, but he made two. But he, he, was, he was there. He made tackles. And that's something that you don't always see on the Browns defense, making tackles and just being a surefire middle linebacker that you don't really have to worry about. Yeah, and he was with the team for a long time, which I think – warms Browns fans hearts a little bit because part of the issue since 99 is there hasn't been a whole lot of players that have been with a team that you could feel safe buying a jersey <laughs> or a, uh, et cetera. So that's certainly true. And uh, you know, what else, the other thing that really stood out to me is, is outside of Nick Chubb's current teammate, Miles Garrett, not a lot of defensive players on this list for a team that's known for its quarterback struggles. Defense was a major issue. And, oh, and one other name I wanted to add, and, and we'll kind of talk about this as maybe we bring up some of the criteria, is, is Josh Gordon. Now, that's a little bit of a complicated story, but we can talk about him as well. So, all right, I, as I reviewed this, I think the obvious answer, of course, is Joe Thomas. He was with the team forever. He made all the Pro Bowls. He's on his way to the Hall of Fame. He's a little bit challenging to evaluate for the average fan other than because other than looking at like, hey, he didn't give up a lot of sacks and he made the Pro Bowl every year, I don't think a lot of 
casual fans are, you know, looking at Joe, Joe Thomas's footwork, his sets, you know, all of those things. And some of the more hardcore fans are sure, but let's take him out of it, right? Would you agree that Joe Thomas is the clear and obvious choice just off, off the top? Yeah, he's, he's, he's the easy answer, so to speak. I mean, just with his longevity, how long he played, how good he was at the, to the tackle spot. I mean, it would take him over probably any tackle in the NFL for almost his entirety of his career. Yeah, exactly. And that's the key, really, is I think he I think he was in the top three or potentially the very best tackle for so long. And it just got, of course, you know, left out because he was on the Browns and he was on struggling teams. But he really just was that consistent. And that's why he had that snaps record. You know, we can all the Browns fans out there, you know, listening to this know all of those things. So, all right, we're going to throw Joe Thomas out there. He's number one. That was certainly my bad in terms of considering that. I sh- he should have been the first name to come to mind. But the real question is, where does Nick Chubb slot in right now? Slash, where does he really have the potential to get to? Because, of course, young player on his rookie deal seems like character-wise, everything going on, he's going to be a Brown for a long time. And that's where, man, there's not a lot of options. Who would you throw out there as – a better candidate than Nick Chubb. I mean, you said it, there's not a lot. I mean, Hayden with his longevity, maybe, but I don't know. He had a couple poor seasons and then they cut him and he's kind of found himself back with the Steelers. But I mean, Hayden had a few really good years. Mac had a couple good years. Cribs was, but Cribs is a returner. Like, is it a returner yeah. really a better player? than a running back this I mean we, we don't want to get in the most valuable versus best discussion but I mean Joshua Kerb is a returner who really didn't play much receiver I'm not sure you'd consider him better than Nick Chubb even though Chubb's only played two and a half years and even less than that if you start talking about his injuries yeah and it's funny because the running back position's often maligned for its value but I think it's pretty clear Nick Chubb has immense value to this team in particular, given its kind of run first identity, his ability to break tackles, his ability to set up play action, all of those things. His value just to me, yeah, yeah it exceeds Josh Cribbs. Joe Hayden, I'm going to, I'm, look, Joe Hayden might have been a top five player at his position at his peak, but was Joe Hayden ever a top three? I, I, I don't really think so. And I think he also was often injured. And I think that's, you know, really what's holding Nick Chubb back right now. I'd say, if anything, Nick Chubb's teammate on the other side of the football really is the other one that, that has a chance to kind of get into the conversation with Joe Thomas by the time their career is over. And that's Miles Garrett. Because to me, he's a top three player at his position. I'd argue Chubb's a top three player at his position. And those two right now, that's what's exciting for the Browns. It's like, hey, we've got – a guy on one side of the football and Chubb that could be, you know, potentially the best running back in the league. And on the other side, I think Garrett's right there too. Which of those two would you say has had the better career so far? And which one do you think has the more upside going forward as a Cleveland Brown? That's tough. I mean, because both of them have had their injuries. Both of them are at differing positions, so it's hard to compare them. Garrett's had his injuries. Chubb's had his injuries. Garrett's under contract for a while. To kind of answer your second question, I think it's probably Garrett just because he's a defensive end and not a running back, and they have him under contract for another, I think it's five years after this, his extension. Part of me wonders if they're going to give Chubb an extension, but, I mean, that's a tough one. Because, I mean, they've won games without Garrett this year. 
yeah, he's been incredible, and they've, he's been huge when they played, and they probably don't win a couple of those early games without Garrett, but they probably don't win a few of the games without Chubb. Um, it it kind of goes both ways because both of them have been hurt this year. But the way their offense has been structured, it's probably Chubb this year just because they seem, and th this was the case against Jacksonville, they seem to be able to run the ball, churn up clocks, score just enough, and then get one or two stops to plot the victory. And they were able to do that without – Garrett last week. We'll see if that's the case, although Garrett should be back this week against a better team, but I think Chubb is just such a huge key to their offense, and even though they have Hunt behind him, I think we've seen that Chubb is really the number one on this offense. You know, we were talking about positional value earlier. This is where positional value for me is going to give it to Miles Garrett, and I think he's he's got to be the one you look to kind of get in that rarefied air. It, it, with a Joe Thomas type, it, I really think he has that kind of ability. I think schemes haven't been able to take him out of games. I think the only thing that really took him out of games was that yeah, the incident last year for a, a long period of time. And I think he, you know, yes, he's been, he's had a couple small injuries, the, the ankle, the knee, et cetera. But I just don't think he's going to be blockable for the next five to seven years. I, I think every single year, double-digit sacks would be the expectation for him coming in. And so that's the really fun part and exciting part is as I thought about this question more and more, I was like, okay, obviously Joe Thomas is the answer. It, it, it's not Nick Chubb. And I was like, the only other person I think that's really above him right now is somebody that's also young and on the team currently. So that gives me a lot of hope for this Browns future. All right, I want to talk about some of the other news we got this week in terms of Ronnie Harrison and in terms of Miles Garrett and, and kind of talk about how that's going to impact the game coming up here with the Titans. Big test for the Browns coming up. But first, let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. This episode of The Rebuild is brought to you by Bet Online. Yes. Football is back in a full swing, and you, while you might not be at the game this year, you can still get in on all the action at Bet Online. I'm certainly betting on every NFL Sunday and also most of the primetime games. I, uh, I missed on the Steelers-Ravens game, took the Steelers in a tease, but did not get the over, unfortunately. So that one stung a little bit. But hey, Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you all the options to wager, more so than anywhere else. I'll tell you another bet I made that I love right now. Eagles plus 260 to win the division in the NFC East. Yes, I bet on the NFC East. Do I have a problem? Maybe. But like their schedule going down the stretch versus the Giants and the Washington football team. So there's some free gambling advice. I'll get through to the rest of the script here because I'm sure Bet Online wants me to get back on that. You can get in on their season opening bonuses. You can start wagering on division and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all of that. When you do that, don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. This episode of The Rebuild is also brought to you by Indeed. 2020 has already shaped how we work 
and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical and Indeed is here to help you through that process. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. I know Blue Wire jobs are posted on Indeed. We're hiring for a couple different positions. Startup company, we've got some hiring opportunities, and we had to put them on Indeed because they do the best work. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. And then that way you can contact them the moment your sponsored job is submitted, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do as a company. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now, indeed.com slash blue wire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. All right, and we're back here on the rebuild. Henry Ettinger joined by Ari Ross to talk Browns. All right, let's look ahead now. A couple of news items to get to. Ronnie Harrison goes on the IR with a shoulder injury. They're saying four to six weeks, so he could potentially come back for the playoffs. They're not saying he's out for the season yet. It's not looking great. If you recall, the Browns slotted Grant Delpit to be in that position at the start of the year. Delpit gets hurt in training camp, done for the year. They trade for Ronnie Harrison from Jacksonville. Now he's out for the year. It looks like Carl Joseph is going to be his replacement. At least he was in the Jacksonville game. What's the impact of all this on a Browns secondary that already has struggled a lot this season? Well, it's not great. I mean, Anderson Sandeo gets tons of hate, and we've seen him blow coverage after coverage. And he made a, actually a couple made a couple plays against Jacksonville. But I mean, Browns secondary isn't great. And Harrison, I'm not saying he was a superstar, but he helped. And without him, you got less depth. You have to play Sheldrick Redwine a little bit more, maybe Tavier Thomas, and those guys are going to get shredded by the right passer. And I don't know if Brian Tannehill or Lamar Jackson or anyone Brown's playing, maybe up until Ben Roethlisberger is that quarterback, but it's not great. And the Browns can be passed on. We've seen it time and time again, and it certainly is not going to help with Harrison. Andrew Sandejo actually with a positive PFF grade uh, this last week against Jacksonville, uh, his first of the season, I believe it was like 71.9 off the top of my head. The problem with Ronnie Harrison being out as well is Denzel Ward is out currently. So now you've got backups all over the place in this secondary against a pretty dynamic passing attack coming into town. A lot of the focus is on Derrick Henry, but Ryan Tannehill having a much better season. A.J. Brown has been virtually untackleable, it seems like these last couple weeks for the Titans. And so that's where the concern comes. For me, I had a lot of 
optimism about this Browns defense still kind of as they potentially move into the playoffs in these late game, uh, late season important games because you've got Miles Garrett ability to rush the passer and then Denzel Ward can kind of cover up for some of the warts on the back end, right? And I think we saw that for the last couple of weeks that Ward was playing. Hey, if you can have that one corner, that can at least help things. Well, now, not only do you not have that, you're also down another starter. So now you've got backups in for Ward, backups in for Harrison. Sendejo's already the weak link on the defense. Yikes, essentially, uh, uh, against Tennessee. So and I've been a little bit more pessimistic on the Browns' chances in this game than some of the guests I've had on recently. I think this is a bad matchup for the Browns. Personally, I think the Browns' run defense might be a little overrated, and we saw that in the Raiders game, uh, where, to me, the run defense's numbers are good because people are thinking pass first against the Browns. How do you see that? Do you think the Browns' run defense is going to be able to hold up against Derrick Henry or or not? I I think I have to agree, Henry. I think the Browns' defense is a little bit overrated, and there were, there were, there was, I was watching the Jacksonville game this past weekend and pardon me. And I, I've said this about some Northwestern teams too, that they get into issues when they're passing. If they just run, run, run the ball, they're in trouble. And I thought if the Jaguars just ran the ball down the Browns throat with James Robinson, they might've had a chance to win this game. Obviously Glennon was able to dash the Browns through the air too. But I, I think if the Titans hand the ball up to Derrick Henry all day, I'm not sure the Browns are going to be able to stop him or tackle him enough times. And Henry might have another 250 yards, two touchdown game that Browns might be in trouble. They're, they're going to have issues against Henry. Um, they might have issues against A.J. Brown. I don't think Tannehill's the type of quarterback that's going to take advantage of the Browns deep the same way. Maybe, I don't want to say Mike Glennon, but maybe like a Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> or someone would. Um, hey, Mike, Glennon, Mike Glennon did take advantage of the Browns deep last week. I think week, the Browns are going to have to worry about Corey Davis over the top. But I, I think A.J. Brown in, in the short game and just not being able to get tackled I'm I'm a little bit worried about this, or more than a little bit worried about this Browns defense. Definitely against Derrick Henry, and then definitely against the likes of AJ Brown. I am as well. Something that certainly could help them, and we didn't bring up is Miles Garrett, as expected, coming off the COVID list this week and going to play on Sunday. So that that of course should help. Though Miles Garrett more of a pass rusher than necessarily your run stopper versus Derrick Henry, and. Look, let's face it, the weakness of this defense, as much as the secondary gets talked about, to me, is the linebackers. It's the tackling ability. And now some of that could be improved. A lot of these guys are young, Mac Wilson, Taki Taki, young players. So I'm not giving up on them yet. But as I look at this game, I'm like, well, if Derrick Henry is going to get to the second level and the third level here, how are, how are the Browns going to bring him down? And that's the part that, that certainly worries me. Now, on the other side of the football, This Titans team is thought of as a defensive team, at least in years past, defensive coach and Mike Frabel on all those nine and seven teams. It felt like it was good defense, bad offense when Marcus Mariota or others were the quarterback. That's not really the case this year. They're actually a bottom 10 defense. Ari, do you think the Browns are going to be able to move the ball on this team? Yeah, I think we're in, I don't want to say a shootout because it could just be Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry going at it and, (laughs) This a running back shootout? This game could be over in two and a half hours, and, and both rushing attacks could have 200-plus yards. But I, I think both teams will be able to get things going offensively. I think the Browns will probably try and use that play-action pass. 
Um, as you said, the Titans defense has not been great this year. Um, it's been take advantage of, I mean, the Ravens did pretty well against it. The Steelers have done that. I mean, Steelers have really good offense, much better than the Browns, but I mean, they're, the Browns can certainly take advantage. They don't have the corners that obviously the Browns don't have the greatest receivers out Odell Beckham, but they're, they're not, none, none of their corners really scare you from a cornerback standpoint. Landry will be able to get open. And I, I think we're in for probably a somewhat high scoring game, depending of course on the weather, but this game being in Tennessee, I don't think we have to worry about the weather we're getting in Cleveland right now. Um, but I, I think we're in for a high scoring game um, and it'll come down to whichever defense can, get the turnovers or get the most stops. I have some concerns about the Browns offense in this game. And it's because Tennessee, their weakness on defense is the secondary, like you alluded to more so than the, the run defense. So if Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt aren't as effective as they've been, or if the Browns are getting scored on a little bit more frequently than they have been in the last couple of games and Kevin Stefanski can't afford to stick with the run until the fourth quarter, how effective are the Browns going to be? And so to me, that is the fundamental biggest takeaway about this game is I almost – look, I care if the Browns win. Of course I care if the Browns win. If they win, their playoff chances skyrocket up even higher. They'll be in fantastic position. However, I haven't been counting this as a win on the schedule as I've looked at their playoff chances. I think – the Giants, the Jets, those are more important games to take care of. Maybe Steelers week 17 if they're resting their players. For me, it's can Baker Mayfield continue to show progress in a game where the pressure, I think, is going to be turned up on him. And not necessarily just the pocket pressure, but you're facing an elite team, a team that Browns could very well see again in the playoffs, on the road, in the exact same environment. How does Baker Mayfield perform? Because I, we talked about it at the beginning of this podcast. I have gained confidence week by week with Baker Mayfield. He hasn't turned the ball over. I think he's shown maturity in his press conferences, but also in his on-field play, kind of rebounding from mistakes, all of that stuff. Positive, positive, positive. What I don't want to see this week is a step back. I have to see something from Baker where it's like, he played a game that, that put the Browns at least in competition, at least gave them a chance to win. Because ultimately, if the Browns do make the playoffs, he's going to have to do that again. And I think this is a huge witness test for him. Absolutely. I think the Browns probably don't have to win this game to make the playoffs. They'll get the, assuming they beat both New York teams, that's 10 wins that should hopefully, knock on wood, get them in. But the, I think we we all hoping that the next two games the Browns don't lose because of Baker Mayfield. We don't get another 38 to six loss to the Ravens and Mayfield looks terrible. The Browns' offensive line can't get any room for the rushing attack. That sort of thing. I think the Browns can keep it close. It's a good game. If they lose, it happens. I think obviously we won't be happy. We'd love. We'd rather have a four-game winning streak than a loss to the Titans. But I think this will this will be a good game. And if Mayfield can come out of it. 200 plus passing yards, a couple touchdowns, and maybe no turnovers. And even if the Browns lose, I'll look at it not as a success, but as long as Baker isn't the reason why they lose, I don't think we're going to start throwing in the towel, so to speak. But if the Browns can pull out a win or at least a close loss, it won't be the end of the world. Exactly. I think this team needs to show some fight. I think they do have an opportunity to win this game if Baker plays the way I think he can. 
but we'll just have to see on, on Sunday for sure. And you mentioned it, you know, things have fallen in the Browns' favor these last couple of weeks, giving them a little bit of a better playoff chance. Number one, of course, the Browns have taken care of business on their end of things with the Eagles and the Jaguars, but the Raiders with a disastrous loss to the Falcons this past Sunday. And then just a few hours ago, the Ravens losing again without a lot of their players, obviously, given the COVID outbreak there. But both of those teams currently own tiebreakers with the Browns, and now they both sit two games behind the Browns. So giving the Browns a little bit of breathing room, at least for now certainly cannot count it as a done deal yet. The Giants are still going to be playing for a lot when the Browns play them. Of course, the Ravens, the Steelers, those could potentially be huge games. So much of the season left. So not, I'm not counting the, the, the Browns' chickens yet. However, I'll say it again. Like we said at the top of the podcast, Ari, Browns, eight and three. That is just music to my ears. All right, before we sign off, Ari, just real quick, where can uh, people follow you on social, follow your work, all that good stuff? You can find me on Twitter at aros 50 um, As you said, I'm Director of Sports Information at Hiram College. So yeah, find me on Twitter at aros 50 I tweet, tweet all the hot brown steaks and uh, scream and shout when, when they do something wrong. So. All right, thank you for uh, joining me today, Ari. Really appreciate it. I love to go back and forth with Ari on Twitter, so if you follow me, you've probably seen some of his stuff before, but please join us in the conversation. I'm at Henry underscore Ettinger, as I have talked about before on this podcast. But that's going to do it for our midweek show. Jordan Zerm will bring you one more show on this feed before the weekend. Browns with a massive game against the Tennessee Titans. A chance to go 9-3 and three and potentially solidify a spot really in the playoff picture so Browns fans please 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 enjoy yourselves stay safe out there and please join us next time here on the rebuild until then take care everybody go Browns